All right, good morning, everybody. Whoa, it's kind of quiet. You guys are probably saving your voices for the Super Bowl. That's all right. That's all right. I understand that. Now, um, let's see where we are. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, the reason why I'm pausing is because um, uh, the message is very full today. We're uh, studying through Ephesians. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3. And um, you guys know, if you've been at GRX for a while, that I talk about our church not so much like a restaurant, but more like a gym, right? It's more like a place where I'm going to invite you guys to work out and grow and exercise your spiritual gifts and actually not just come to consume things, but actually to come and grow in your faith, which means you're going to need to sweat a little bit. You're going to need to be a little uncomfortable. So that's why I talked about GRX. It's a gym. Because it's Super Bowl Sunday, today's message is a little bit more like an all-you-can-eat buffet of Ephesians. And so we're going to crank through all this stuff. I'm going to basically like throw all this stuff out about Ephesians, and you're going to be like, I can't eat all this. I can't take it all in. Um, you won't be able to, just given our time, what we have, and all the things I want to share. So it's going to basically fall into these two major categories. The one thing I want to share will begin, and um, there'll be a video in just a little bit, but um, we're going to see a little video from the Bible Project about Ephesians, and it's going to summarize some big key points where we've been so far. And uh, if you've been here for the whole series, these uh, should be common to you. They'll be uh, in a little bit of a different form, but some of the big ideas so far have been unity. Let's see if I have a slide for this. Do you have a, a slide for this one? Some of the big ideas are unity in Christ. This is this mystery that Jesus Christ, God's bringing all things into unity in Jesus Christ. That's one of the big things in Ephesians. We looked at that. Another big thing we looked at is prayer. Uh, if you were here for that message, it was the Apostle Paul praying. We talked about how prayer is when you hope for something more for people than what you yourself can provide. It's you're praying that God will bless them in some way in their life in more of a way than what you can provide. And that's the way Paul prays for the Ephesians, that their eyes of their heart would be enlightened. Um, and then another big theme, one body by the grace of God, breaking down the dividing wall of hostility, if you were here last week, between Jews and Gentiles, bringing one new person together, one new body, one family. And that's what I'll spend the rest of the message on talking about, the family, the family that God's bringing us into. But with that, take a look at this video, and it's going to summarize where we've been so far, chapters 1 through 3 in Ephesians. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The story of how Paul came to the city of Ephesus is really interesting. You can go read about it in Acts chapter 19. Ephesus was a huge city. It was the epicenter of worship for most of the Greek and Roman gods. And for over two years, Paul had a really effective missionary presence there, and lots of people became followers of Jesus. Years later, after being imprisoned by the Romans, Paul wrote this letter. The movement of thought in the letter divides into two really clear halves. 
In the first half, Paul is exploring the story of the gospel, how all history came to its climax in Jesus and in his creation of this multi-ethnic community of his followers. The second half of the letter is linked to the first by the word, therefore. And here Paul explores how the gospel story should affect how we live every part of our life story personally, in our neighborhoods and communities, and in our families. So let's dive in, and we can see how Paul develops all of this. Chapter 1 opens with a beautiful Jewish-style poem, where Paul praises God the Father for the amazing things that he has done in Christ Jesus. From eternity past, the Father has purpose to choose and bless a covenant people. And think here, the family of Abraham and Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And through Jesus now, anyone can be adopted into that family. Jesus's death covers our worst sins, our worst failures, and in Jesus we find God's grace. In fact, Paul says, that grace has opened up a whole new way for us to understand every part of our lives. He says in chapter 1, verse 10, that God's purpose was to unify all things in heaven and on earth, under Christ, which is a title that means Messiah. God's plan was always to have a huge family of restored human beings who are unified in Jesus the Messiah. This divine purpose became clear, Paul says, when we were first made into that family. And here he's referring to ethnic Jews in the family of Abraham. But then Paul talks about how you, and here he means non-Jews, you all heard about Jesus and the salvation through him. And you were also brought into this family by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so here he's referring to the events told in the stories of Acts about how God's Spirit brought together Jew and non-Jew into one family in Jesus. It's just like God promised to Abraham long ago. Notice also how in this poem, Paul begins by talking about God the Father, but then about Jesus the Son, and then here at the end about the Spirit. All three work together as Paul tells the story of the Gospel. It's really cool. After the poem, Paul responds with a prayer. He prays that these followers of Jesus would not just know about, but personally experience the power of the gospel, that they would be energized by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and placed him as the exalted head of the whole world. Now in chapter two, Paul goes back and he elaborates on some key ideas from the poem in chapter one, especially God's grace and this new multi-ethnic family of Jesus. He begins by retelling the story of how these non-Jewish Christians came to know Jesus. Before hearing about Jesus, they were physically alive, but they were spiritually dead. They were trapped in a purposeless life of selfishness and sin, and they were deceived by dark spiritual forces of evil. But amazingly, God, in his great love and mercy, he saved them, he forgave all of their sins, and he joined their lives to Jesus' resurrection life, and he's brought them back to life too. And so now, having been created as new human beings through Jesus, they have the joy of discovering all of the new calling and purposes and tasks that God has set before them. Not only have they been shown God's grace, they've also been invited into a new family. Before hearing about Jesus, these non-Jewish people, they were not just cut off from God, they were cut off from his covenant people, the family of Abraham. And for a really practical reason, the commands of the Sinai covenant, they formed like a boundary line around the family. They were like a barrier that kept most non-Jewish people away. 
But in Jesus, the laws of the Torah have been fulfilled and the barrier is removed. The two ethnic groups have become, as Paul puts it, a new unified humanity that can live together in peace. So Paul goes on in chapter 3 to marvel at the unique role that he got to have in spreading this good news to non-Jewish people. And even though he's in prison, he's thanking God for the chance he's had to see this covenant family grow so huge. So Paul closes the first half of the letter with another prayer. This time, he prays that Jesus' followers would be strengthened by God's Spirit to simply grasp and comprehend the love that Christ has for his people. Did you get that? And that's kind of the appetizers, right? This is really Ephesians chapters 1 through 3. This is the overview. If you want to look it up later, it's on YouTube. The folks that do Bible Project, they do some cool stuff. All right, that's part of where we're going. Uh, that's part of where we've been. We'll do chapter 3 today and next week. So with all that, let me dive into chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. This is the second half. I'm really going to focus on family here. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And then here's this key verse. This mystery, this unity, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It's about the family. And then Paul goes on to talk about how he himself is a minister of this gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me... Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, that's through all of us, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So this whole section, Ephesians chapter 3, 1 to 13, I would kind of summarize it by just saying this one phrase, I think I have a slide for this one, that Paul is explaining his ministry. The first few verses are this way, the last few verses are this way, to preach the gospel, to bring to light to the Gentiles, to explain the mystery of God and all the plan and everything like this. So I'm like, I'm reading this and I'm like, that's great. Great, Paul, you're explaining what you're doing and why you're doing it and, and how awesome you are and you're a saint and everything. And the sarcastic part of me is actually like, thanks, Paul. 
it's all about you, right? I'm kind of joking, but, but the sarcastic part is like, what, 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 what's up, Paul? But then the pragmatic part of me says, well, what, what matters really? I mean, we know Paul is the great apostle. He is the great teacher. And so that's what's established in this passage. But then the pragmatic part of me is like, for GRX, what do I feel like could come out of this verse for us? Because we already know that about Paul. And that's the pragmatic part for me is the Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, which actually in and of itself ties to the whole thing that Paul is teaching in Ephesians. Because Paul is not really teaching about himself in all of Ephesians. Paul is teaching about the mystery, which is the unity in Jesus Christ and bringing together all people into his family. So focusing on this verse, the Apostle Paul says this, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The Apostle Paul here really summarizes what he's talking about in the entire book of Ephesians. And he says that all of us who are non-Jewish people, all of us who are not even half Jewish, which I think is almost everybody in this room, non-Jewish people, Paul, the Apostle Paul describes us as us in this way. As, uh, there's three things. I think there's a slide here too. As there were one, fellow heirs. Two, were members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. If I was going to summarize all of this down into one word, that word would be family. That we are family. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us and trying to teach the Christians in and around Ephesus. That they are family with all those who say we're a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, so for those of you who are keeping score at home or who are reading the bulletin, you're like, well, why is this message called the fellowship of the mystery? Right? So if you're sarcastic like me, you'd be like, that's a horrible title. That shouldn't be about, right, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right. The pragmatic part is like, yeah, it would have been better to call this message the family of the mystery. So if you have a pen and it's important to you, you can scratch out the title on the bulletin and correct it to say family, because that's really what he's talking about here. The family. Three things very quickly about family and what the Apostle Paul is saying. Um, fellow heirs. When I understand that, it means the same inheritance. Fellow heirs, as in you inherit the same thing. It's like if you're in a family and your mom and dad pass away and they have, like, I don't know, I don't know what their net worth would be. Like, like I don't know, just say a million dollars. Their net worth is a million dollars. And you, it's you and you have a sibling you and your sibling, you inherit the same. You inherit the same amount. 500, 500. Um, but it also means that within the family, there's no place for competition between each other. Within the family, 
And I would say in the church, between brothers and sisters in Christ, there's no place for jealousy to enter in. Yeah, you ever find this with, with some people? Like you, you sometimes look at other people's lives and you kind of feel like either you're competing with them or you're jealous. And I'm not talking about people like outside the church. I'm talking about like us, family, like within the church. Do you ever feel like that? Sometimes it's kind of human to feel that way. But I think what the Apostle Paul is trying to point out is we're fellow heirs. Like we all get the same inheritance. And so there really, there really isn't a place for um, jealousy or, or competition. And if we really just kind of get down in, in our soul that we're really going to all get the same inheritance, perhaps it would be a little easier for us to release those places or those times when we feel like there's some jealousy rising up in us and, and, and competition. And then we would actually be able to celebrate others when we see goodness in them because we know we're getting the same inheritance too. It's a little thing for you to see. It's a little litmus test for your heart. Like, can you celebrate when other people, when other believers have something good, something, something great, some success? Can you celebrate with them? If you can, that's a good indication that you understand that you're going to get the same inheritance with them. Okay, let me go on about what it means, members of the same body. When I think about this, I see it as mutual care, that there's care, mutual care within the body. Um, it's uh, like, I kind of think about like uh, the body, like, like a physical body. Um, and you know, you've heard me talk about this before, like as brothers and sisters in Christ, we shouldn't objectify each other. We shouldn't consume one another. We shouldn't use one person for the sake of someone else to use, to get what we want from them. But like in the body, it would be like the hand, say your hand, um, and it's like, you know what? I want the eyes to look to the left. Um, eyes, look to the left. How, how come the eyes aren't doing that? So then the hand goes, I know what I'll do. I will force the eyes to look over here. So you get this, and the hand is beginning to force the head to look this way. And now, now oh yeah, the eyes are sure looking left. But it's forcing. He's forcing. Have you ever seen people in the church try to force someone else to do something else? That's not one body. That's one part of the body working against the other part, which creates conflict and tension. And then the eyes are like, okay, I'm looking left. What am I supposed to look at? And then the neck is like, oh, what are you doing? This is stressing me out, dude. Like, back off. And then the hand's like, back off. And then the arm is like, okay, I'll back you off. And the wrist is like, no, 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 no. He's going to be in here. No, no. You ever church politics? You ever see that? That's what this is. It's not mutual care. What happens in terms of mutual care in the body when a body is working well? What happens? The same thing as a, as a physical body. If there's a wound on your foot, the hands go, oh, there's a wound. The eyes go, oh, look at that. The brain is like, where are the band-aids? The legs and feet are like, the, the band-aids are in the medicine cabinet. Go over here, open the medicine cabinet. 
pull out the, the alcohol, there's the swabs, and then everything in the body's working together. Putting a little alcohol on there, ah, that stings. The nerves are like, stop doing that. Okay, I got to do that, stop doing that. And then the Band-Aid, and you put it on. The fingers all work together. Put a Band-Aid on. Care for the foot. It's wounded. That's what the body is to be like. Members of the same body, mutual care, not struggling, fighting politics. And then the last thing, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. It means the same hope. It means energy and joy moving together. The same hope. The same hope. I was so pleased to see how many 49er jerseys were here today. That's an illustration. The same hope. When the Niners score, everybody in that room, Niners fan with the jerseys, go, yeah! And then if they lose, it's like the same, like, oh, so close. Okay, next year, maybe next year, maybe next year. We have any Kansas City Chief fans in here? Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Any Kansas City Chief fans in here? Any family members of Patrick Mahomes in here? Anybody? Yeah, you'd be like, I don't know, I'm going to raise my hand. I don't know why. No, no, that would be great because then you'd be, for me, the people on the other side, and Jesus has broken down the dividing wall of hostility between us which was last week, so like we'd be brothers, and I'd just be hugging, and yeah, we'd be eating together, and that'd be all good. That's that illustration, but we don't have any chief fans, so all right. But do you guys get this, that if you have partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus, you have the same hope. It'd be like partakers of the promises of the 49ers, right? The promise of the hope. But we are partakers of the same hope in Christ Jesus, which is our eternal salvation in Jesus Christ by his sacrificial death on the cross gives us the hope of eternal life. And that eternal life actually is now. Because his saving death has already happened in the past, which means all of us as followers of Jesus said yes to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior have already begun our eternal life, our assurance in heaven is 100%. That means our eternal life is now. Now into eternity. That means today and tomorrow and the next week. We are living into our eternity. We have no fear of punishment, no fear of hell, no fear of penalty. That is the same hope we have. That's why we root for people when they say yes to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, because they are also taking part of that eternal life. That's what we're doing. All right. Um, So summarize, fellow heirs means the same inheritance. No place for jealousy. Members of the same body means mutual care. Not objectifying or forcing or trying to get other people to do the things we want them to do but it's mutual care working together. And then the last is partakers of promise, the same hope, our eternity in Jesus Christ. Um, all right, I'm just gonna 
I'm just going to do this because I just want to do this. It's going to take a little more time. There's this, um, there's this uh, photograph. Were we able to put the photograph in there? There it is. There it is. This is this newspaper that came out uh, not too long ago uh, in our area. Um, this is the Ponderosa Elementary School um, new playground that they built. It's, uh, it, it's, uh, it says, everyone can play at the accessible po- playground at Ponderosa. Uh, why am I showing this? It's because we as a family participated in this playground. Out of the tithes and offerings and monies that you've given here, we use some of that money, of course, to like, keep the lights on and, and staff and things like that, but we also give this money away as a family to bless other people and communities and schools and ministries around us. So our church also contributed to the building of this playground. Um, and we're, uh, we're mentioned not by name, because you can't really name churches, but we're named through the Kids Club, which is the after-school program that we do here. It's, uh, it's people from here. It's us doing it. And it's the funds so we gave through that vehicle. So it didn't look like the church was giving, but we were giving it. Because they've got their thing that they have to navigate. All that to say, we as a family have the opportunity to do all of this good together. I just want to let you guys know this, because kids are playing on this playground, and I don't know if you guys knew that, uh, that you were all a part of that. Okay, so here's the final thing for just the application. Um, read Ephesians chapter 3 one time a day uh, this coming week. And then I decided, how about asking you guys to do a little writing? What does being in God's family mean to you? I know some of you guys are journalers. Um, What does being in God's family mean to you? Um, The deadline for this essay is Thursday at midnight. You can submit online. uh, No more than five pages, double-spaced, one-inch margins. I'm, I'm kidding about that. I'm kidding. Now, if you do want to write me an essay, I would love to. I'd receive it, and I would read it. I'd read it, if you do want to write me an essay. But that's, that's just kidding. But what does being in God's family mean to you? In your life groups, part of the Bible study, you guys can discuss this. Um, in your discipleship that you're doing, you're jumping in with somebody else, you can talk about this. What does family mean to you? Um, and with that, let me pray us into communion which is another act of worship that we're going to continue on in as part of God's family. God, I thank you that you invite us into God's family, that all of us and the Apostle Paul and that the Ephesians, that the Jews and the Gentiles who call you Lord and Savior are all together with us, all of us, in God's family. So God, I pray that as we continue on in worship, as we celebrate communion together, God, that we would look to you, our Lord and Savior, the one who forgives all of our sins. We lay those out before you, God, and say thank you. God, for all the bad that we've done, you've forgiven us. And God, thank you that you've brought us into your family. May we remember that we're going to get this incredible inheritance in you. You've given us a place in this body, God, and that we can be loved.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.